This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, we have seen various impacts on consumers from the rise in interest rates over the last year. But is it also impacting things like mobility and labor reallocation, especially if you are somebody who may have locked in a rate at around 3% just a couple of years ago? Of course, you wouldn't want to move, but a new home and then pay a mortgage with a rate that's probably going to be double what you had just locked in a couple of years ago. New paper looks at this mortgage lock-in and its impacts. Lou Liu is an assistant professor of finance at Wharton and is co-author of a new paper that looks at this. Lou, great to have you with us today. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Let me start, I guess, with what it was that drew your attention to this in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the U.S. in a way is quite special with its 30-year fixed rate mortgages. Um, This is pretty unprecedented across most countries in the world. They're typically um, much shorter fixation lengths. And so, yeah, you can can literally, you are very well insured against interest rate rises. So once you lock in a rate, you really can stay in for 30 years. But it does mean that um, you may not want to move. So it gives you strong incentives to stay put, as you were saying. So we had, a, we had a period of very low interest rates. So just to give you an example, almost half of all mortgage borrowers got a new mortgage during the pandemic. Right. So they locked in rates at around levels of 3%. And so now, as you were saying, they're pretty much more 7 to 8%, which is a difference of four percentage points. And I can, I can, trans, I can give you a simple example. If you took out, for instance, a, a med- like the median household took out a loan balance, say, of uh, 260000 U.S. dollars, say, 10 years ago, and you've got around 20 years left, then the present value of your payments, if interest rates go up by just one percentage point, is around 27,000 U.S. dollars. So, and you pay more in interest in, in total payments, around 2,000 U.S. dollars per year. So that means, yeah, you have really strong incentives to stay put. So this difference between the, the, the locked-in rate and where we currently are with mortgage rates, you call this uh, a, a delta. Specifically, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. So we just we just refer to the gap between the rate that you've currently locked in and the market rate that you would have to refinance at or remortgage at if you were to move. Uh, we call that this, this mortgage rate gap. So you can think of it as a mortgage rate differential. In my example just now, you lock in 3%. Current rates are at 7%. The, the differential would be minus 4%. For minus four percentage points, so so that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of so currently you have a cheap mortgage basically, and if you were to move, you'd have to replace it with a more expensive mortgage. So that that's why the gap is kind of negative. It's a financial cost to you. And realistically, you're talking about not only people who may have bought a home at the time when rates were so low, but also all of those people who refinance their mortgages during that period as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, we, there, there's some there's some kind of facts out there, but I think it's around half of all borrowers basically. So the so the effects could be could be quite uh, could be quite large. Could affect a large proportion of all borrowers. So the, the side of this, in regards to focusing on mobility and also labor reallocation, then you're also talking, I would assume, about the decision process that somebody might make in terms of moving or not 
but also the impact that it would have on companies in terms of the want to move somebody from one office to another and that person maybe not wanting to do that because of that extra cost that they have to deal with. Absolutely, yeah. So this is something anecdotally I've, I've actually heard it, you know, from uh, from people who are trying to move and thinking about if they were to move, right? If you if you say you didn't have if you didn't have a mortgage, right? You get a great job offer somewhere else, and you know you you know there's some cost involved with moving. You may have to move your kids somewhere else. You have to pay some you know cost, and it's a hassle. But you know you're go- just gonna base your decision based on this. Okay, I'm gonna trade off this job offer against the cost. But now if you have a mortgage effectively what you have to do, you have to remortgage. So you get this additional, to, to some extent, huge, like, so one percentage point, 30,000 U.S. dollars. You have a bigger loan. You have, uh, you have a four percentage point gap, right? Uh, these can be really large numbers. And that's the additional cost, the effective cost you would have to pay in order to move. And that's something that you as, yeah, you as, a, you as an individual would have to factor in. And, yeah, exactly, companies would have to think about um, that that's the decision making. Um, that's the that's the decision making problem that that these potential employees now face. Right, now, and for some of the, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish up. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say. Obviously, this is not. This is also something we discuss in the paper. This right. is not something that has to be this way. So there's other uh, in, in most other countries, right? There's um, there are policies in place that actually allow you to move without having to remortgage. So we can talk about this in more detail if you'd like, but there's, there's yeah. policies like assumability, so you can assume you can take over an existing mortgage associated with the house, which you can do in Canada and Denmark, or you can even port your mortgage. You can just basically pack your mortgage in current contract and take it to a new home, such as uh, what you could do in the UK. So that has been somewhat the historical norm in those countries to have that approach, or, or has that been kind of an evolving process in a lot of those locations? Yeah, I think it's it's come basically with um, with the fact that it's an inherent fact. Once you allow people to lock themselves in, have this fixed rate mortgage, I think it's it, it just evolved. Yeah, it just naturally evolved as something that you may want to. It's it's great, right? You have a fixed rate mortgage. It's great when interest rates right. go up, but maybe you want a, a little bit of a way out um, to to allow people to to not lock that insurance in place. So basically it's tied to you, it's favoring you, it's favoring staying in place, which is which is maybe from a kind of efficiency perspective not not a great policy. People are basically just staying put. Right. And and, and part of, you know, in, in determining what rate you get on a mortgage when you buy a home or you refinance is kind of your profile when you're putting all of your information in. And realistically, that profile probably doesn't change a lot if you're thinking about moving or if you have to uh, move because of work. Uh, and, and so why would you have to kind of, you know, lose and, and lose out on all of that money? Because your profile basically stays the same. Absolutely, exactly. So in, 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 in countries like Canada or Denmark, where you can take up uh, somebody else's mortgage, so, some, you know, say somebody else moves, you want to move to their new house, you can take over their mortgage. You do some simple checks like, uh, you know, minimum minimum uh, payment ability checks. And once you pass these checks, you can assume the mortgage. And it's even more interesting with um, when you're taking over and uh, when you're taking your mortgage with you to a new home, right? The only thing that's changing is the underlying home that, that you're borrowing against. Right. And in the UK, for instance, that's basically just measurable, right? You basically, you look at the loan to value ratio, that's the size of the loan relative to the value of the house. 
and that's the that's basically the ratio that matters to banks because if they were to if they were to if they if you wouldn't be able to repay they could just seize the house and repay your loan and so i think it's a little bit of a puzzle to me why that's not possible in the US because most of right like the, if you if you can measure the loan to value ratio at your new house there's nothing there's nothing else that changes so in a way that's that's very much a puzzle to me why that's not evolved in the US and, and realistically when that person is moving chances are uh, part of the reason why they are moving is for a different job and a better salary so that exactly. would actually that would actually improve the the the, the loan to value ratio Exactly. So exactly. You could you could basically right. You could come in with your new employment offer and show it to your bank. Right. So right. I think the way to think about it, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've, I was thinking about it. Right. Why, why couldn't you just bargain with your bank? But I think the problem is a little bit that the bank banks have very limited incentives to allow you to move, to take your mortgage with you right now. Right. Given the, the term of the financial instability that we've had with kind of banks being exposed to these uh, very, very long, long duration, uh, uh, the, long, the long-term loans that they've made, right? So now is maybe not a great time where they would allow you to take your current cheap mortgage with you because they'd lose out on the interest rate payment. So the only way you would get to a bargaining outcome would be if you could credibly basically say, oh, I'm not going to take the job if you don't allow me to go with my mortgage. And that I don't right. think is something that is very natural. So I think there's really... A big, a big role for policy here to step in, especially given that policymakers have been uh, the, the, the Fed, they've been supporting uh, banks through the recent financial turmoil. I really think um, that that would be that would be a great opportunity to push some of these policies and 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 and, and, and demand that some of these some of these features are are, are available to to U.S. Uh, mortgage borrowers. Is this an idea that has been brought up here in the U.S. as as a potential? you know, a potential path to go down at some point down the road? So I haven't heard anything more concrete these days. I, I do think it's been at the forefront of everyone who, right, who's been studying mortgages and especially thinking about the 30-year the fixed-rate mortgage, really to have an instrument like this. Um, I, I think if you look at, right, if you look at the recent history, it's basically been 30 years of declining interest rates. So it's really not been very relevant. And I think it's just become... Uh, much more, uh, much more, much more recently relevant, uh, and a priority to think about these policies now that interest rates are going up and hence locking people in. If if you were to have something like that in, in the United States, what do you think would be the impact on the housing sector in general? And I say that because obviously a lot of the dynamics out there, are, you know, we have a shortage of housing right now. Uh, there are, uh, I think, probably more people in rental situations than than probably we would like to see. I'm wondering if that improves kind of the the home buying situation potentially moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like you've seen, right? We've seen these headlines uh, claiming that the housing market is, is effectively frozen right now, and that is because if uh, a lot of people who move, I think about two thirds of U.S. Um, um, home buyers, they're basically, they're moving. If they're moving, they're basically selling their current house and moving into a new one. And so you're kind of a seller and a buyer at the same time. And somebody else, right, who, like you wouldn't want to sell if you, uh, if you don't know that you could buy a house. So it really, this right. kind of lock-in really affects overall liquidity in the housing market. As you're saying, like it's very difficult to find houses. There's very few houses that are being put up, put, put, put on the market. And I think that's part of the underlying reason 
So another, yeah, another, in addition to the kind of allowing people to move to better jobs, I think another, another policy, policy um, 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 priority uh, and, and, and kind of factor that should, that should factor into policymaking is the effect that it would have on overall liquidity in the housing market, just housing, uh, like houses being transacted and people moving more. And, and the other side to the labor side of this as well is, there are instances where if if somebody from a company moves to a different town for a different job within the company, uh, moving expenses sometimes are included in that option. But if you know that that is a significant number beyond what a company might normally offer, that option may not be provided to that employee, and that could put their employment in danger. Absolutely, exactly. So this is actually something we, we see in our paper. So we look at we look at uh, we look at people who basically are differentially locked in, and we find that the people who are more locked in, who face this higher mortgage cost, uh, are seem to be moving less, um, given a given a kind of potential wage increase. So it's really yeah, it's really an actual it's a it's a real financial cost that that is going to drive a wedge between people who would actually who would under normal circumstances without a mortgage in tow uh, would find it for, would find it beneficial to move. But don't do it, or, or companies jointly don't do it. Like they, 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 the joint kind of, the, the joint problem basically prevents them uh, from moving. Policy would obviously be a big part of this, but what do you think it would take to be able to kind of get all of the the, the pieces to the puzzle in place to be able to have that kind of a structure? Thinking about uh, you know the the issues of mobility and reallocation and being able to carry that mortgage rate with you. Yeah, I think um, it's it's obviously always um, it it can it can be a very lengthy process to change things that haven't been in place for a very long time. On the other hand, I think uh, with th- this is sort of unprecedented new developments, macroeconomic developments. I think um, we've had we've had interventions um, uh, in financial markets. Um, maybe another this could be seen as another as a as an alternative intervention. Um, I think uh, I think long run, obviously, if this were to become a regular policy that is inherent as kind of a, an additional benefit of having a mortgage, obviously that may get priced in. So in the long run, maybe that would mean that banks charge higher rates for mortgages. That's that's more speculative. That that would also be up to up to policy. Yeah. Lou, great to have you with us today. Thank you very much for your insight. Let, let me finish one other thing then. With this research having done, is there a next natural step in terms of what you would look like to look at next in terms of this this area? Um, yeah, we, we are certainly, so the, the current paper focuses on the labor reallocation angle, and we're certainly looking at, um, for instance, housing market liquidity um, and and overall yeah overall effects on the on the housing market. So, so certainly a space to be watched. In addition, I want to flag maybe, um, uh, yeah, maybe work on thinking about really the, the benefits, the trade-offs behind having uh, the, the, the reliance on 30-year fixed-rate mortgages. So given the financial stability implications and the kind of lock-in effects, uh, maybe it's time to kind of rethink, rethink the reliance on these, on these very long-term mortgages a little bit. Yeah. All right. Great to have you with us today, Lou. Thanks very much for your time. All the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Lou Liu, who is an assistant professor of finance here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.